But you could call me the can man, because anybody can get it. Unbelievable! Dana! 60 G's, baby! <laughs> Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler! Welcome to episode 28 of the Spitballing Podcast. I'm Luke Byron and today I'm joined by Rory Ford, Tom Kennett and Connor Harmer. As always, if you could check us out at spitballingpod.com and follow us on Twitter at spitballingpod for more. So if we get straight into it, we had the quote-unquote fight of the century this weekend where uh, Floyd Money Mayweather did the business against Conor McGregor. But earlier down on the undercard, we had probably the first one to mention would be um, Cleverly Jack which I don't think any of us really anticipated it going quite in that fashion. Um, Jack seems to look more impressive every time he gets in the ring. And cleverly, as as I kind of did mention last week, I wasn't sure how much he was in there for the fight or how much he was in there more for the money just to have one more big payday before he leaves the sport. Um, it was the only thing to cost my accumulator for £150. <laughs> um, TK, what did you think? Premature stoppage. No, um, Cleverly's increasing use of the tactic to block punches with his face kind of caught up with him in the end, didn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, he was, he, they could have stopped it from pretty much the third round, I thought. He was just taking clean punches, wasn't throwing a lot back. Uh, when he was, he didn't have anything that was going to trouble Jack either. Um, like you said, at some point, we're going to start probably giving Jack the props he deserves because every time we go into it, they say, oh, he's, he's like a good fighter, but he's not like spectacular. But he's still he keeps stepping up every time. He's still trying to live down that knockout towards a Derek Edwards about five years ago, which people will just every time he wins. But he did get knocked out. Yeah, which is, our thing is always, isn't it? As well, oh, he does everything really well, but he doesn't do anything spectacularly well. But he does everything very, was, very well. That was as good as I've seen him because I'm not sure if it's um, the work he's doing with his trainer or what. But against Groves. I've seen him come on because against Groves he was kind of throwing punches for the sake of throwing punches. I'm not sure if that was just because it was Groves and he was trying to overwork, make Groves work. Yeah. Against DeGale he'd come on even more and then against Cleverly he literally every punch he threw was bang on the target. He was connecting and he was actually yeah. thinking about the punches before he was throwing them. I mean he couldn't miss could he? But yeah he does. He's, he plays his punches brilliantly. He hits harder than I think people think. He doesn't get hit much himself. For like a, a money team fight, I think he doesn't try and mimic Floyd. He just keeps it really, really tight and doesn't give people anything. We said when we were watching, it was kind of like Abraham, wasn't it? With that, his guard tucks up so nicely that you can't actually catch him clean. Yeah, exactly. really, with anything. I mean, DeGale did, but getting hit by DeGale isn't really anything that you should be slandered for, is he? When they're, they were clearly two of the best at super middle. Yeah, exactly. So now coming up, then the Adonis Stevenson fight is really would be a great one to watch. Yeah, star wise, it should match up as well because obviously he can be hurt as well. Yeah, exactly, and I think Stevenson can as well. So yeah, they could take each other out. Stevenson, like it's to you, his uh, post fight interviews, like unless you want that trilogy with Fonfara. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like him as a character actually as well. I think he's got a bit more than he shows. Yeah, he went up and 
gave the handshake to Frotch and um, Belly after gave him a little look, and then get Frotchy back in there with him. Probably be quite a fun fight to be fair. Frotch, Frotch going on about his technical ability as well. I think Frotch forgets the kind of fighter that he was. <laughs> I'm sure we'll come on to Frotch a little yeah. bit more later. <laughs> Some of the stick I'm yeah. sure he getting on Twitter was brilliant. <laughs> so if if we go then on to the chief support, so we had Javonta Davis coming out as some kind of blue gorilla <laughs> with that thing on his head, and then the and then the shorts, and then <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure really what what he was doing. Um, so opening opening round, he kind of came out like he was just looking for a one shot KO. Realized he wasn't going to get it, and then did that stupid showboating he was doing, which I, I said on Twitter. I think I accidentally tweeted it off the spitballing account, but yeah, you did. I saw that. But I don't mind showboating if you've come in on weight and you've done everything right. But when you've come in two pounds overweight, lost your title, don't come in there showboating as if you're the dog's bollocks when clearly you're not. And you're struggling to get a guy out there, which is why you're doing the showboating, because you can't land clean on him. It was horrendous to watch. I was giving Fonseca... Not Fonseca. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I was giving him early rounds just because of uh, the abysmal tactics by Davis. It was... It was embarrassing to watch. He's trying to. He's going close to dragging his gloves along the the canvas where he's doing some stupid crouching tiger type shite and looking for, as you say, that the one punch bomb that he eventually delivered to the back of the head. Um, the fact they had to cut the tassels off the shoes, they they quickly ended the strictly come dancing dance with the stars prop that he tried to have going on the shoes. The, the shorts he had on, Christ me, they were about 25 sizes too big. He just looked an idiot. It's like Connor Ben posting Lions Eat First when he's just knocked out a journeyman. There's nothing impressive about showboating against a guy you're clearly levels above as well. Well, he, he was, I think he was 1 to 100 in the betting, Davis. It's It really is awful because you've ducked Lomachenko, you've said several times, oh, we, d- we don't need that fight yet. You've promised a big fight on the undercard. You've not gone out after any champion or any previous champion. And then you've gone in there with a guy you're expecting to blow out in a round and make your stock go through the roof. And then he's obviously struggled, and so he's tried to do it a bit of the other way and show off. And it's backfired by the fact he was getting booed by the end of the fight. Well, that the, the chat after the fight probably didn't do him any favours. What he was trying... The point he was trying to make... He just kept going, look for the body shot, look for the body shot. When the the team were asking him, what did you think about the shot around the back of the head? Yeah, but if you look for the body shot, that's not what we're asking you. If you look, you clearly hit him around the back of the head to drop him. I was, I was looking through all the comments yesterday and they were all slating his performance and there's one in the middle that says, I'll be surprised if he's alive in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Connor, I know you're claiming to be quite a fan of him. Surely you're not a fan after uh, Saturday night. Um, I think he was just trying to put on a bit of uh, performance, really. I mean, obviously, he must have been disappointed by missing weight and losing the title. I think he was trying to sort of make up for that. And obviously, there was a lot of pressure on him being on the undercard and being one of the main main undercards on under on the uh, sorry on the uh, events. And um, obviously, Mayweather's has put a lot of pressure on him, saying he's the next star. And maybe he felt that he he had to put on a show and. Because he wasn't knocking him out or hitting him with any big punches, he tried doing it another way, which probably hasn't worked out for him by by the reaction that he's got from the crowd and 
on social media. That's partly to do with punching his opponent in the back of the head and then forcing the knockout that way. He looked distracted from the start. He was looking up at the school thing at the time. He's like an ADHD kid trying to do like an English lesson or something. He just, <laughs> just wasn't focusing at all. He was just looking around. and Like you said, I thought, well, I thought the commentators were actually a bit almost disrespectful to Fonseca. And yeah. that I thought he was putting up a fairly good fight. And they were saying, oh, he's obviously levels above him. And I thought, if you didn't know anything about him previously, you wouldn't have seen that in no. that fight. I thought, he was clowning around. He was... I know it's kind of overused, but he was doing a Broner, wasn't he? Yeah. In terms of, you, you can do that if you're at the top, but don't don't be an idiot if you're yeah. like missing weight and you've not done that much yet, so calm down a bit. You've wiped out the whole tone of the podcast with an ADHD comment six minutes in. <laughs> We've gone south already. Yeah. Um, I think he needs to be in the big fight next. The, the plus for him is he's a big enough star that he doesn't need the belt to get the big fights. But so he can probably, I don't mind him taking one to build back and just get a belt no matter who it's against if he's going to fight Lomachenko after. But don't call yourself this beast at the weight and all this, then miss weight and then not fight Lomachenko because it's not a good look. And the thing with um, the TMT fighters is you see Floyd doing all this stuff on the All Access where he's out partying with the women, he's partying, he's getting the cars. He didn't get to that by going out and doing all this when he was, what, 19, 20. You earn your way there, then you have the money, and then even still, you obviously are putting the work in, you're not just doing that, or he wouldn't be what he is now. Yeah, Well, the showboating's fun. Like, you see Lemonchenko waving on the opponent, but then he's he's smashing the opponent to pieces with shots as they're coming in. You saw Javante Davis was trying to showboat, and then he was hitting arms and shoulders. Well, it's fun when you're against someone, maybe not at your level, but at least someone who is like a world-level fighter. Mm. Because there isn't really anyone there at Lomachenko's level, but he's still beating like unbeaten world champions and clowning them like that. He's not clowning someone who's never fought out, outside of South America, and he's clearly in over their head just looking at... He was unbeaten, though, was he? Yeah, he's unbeaten, but then you look at Deontay Wilder got to 31-0 without fighting anyone legitimate. So. I mean, if we're looking at it... All four of us around this table are undefeated. <laughs> if you want to go, you know. So is Conor McGregor too. <laughs> I just think um, I, an interesting point might have been that perhaps he was trying to kind of do this bit of showboating. Perhaps he was maybe worried where he was carrying the the overweight that perhaps he didn't have the ability to go out and and blast the bloke to pieces with four or five shot combos. Maybe he was trying to preserve the gas tank a little bit and just look for that one pop shot, but. I just feel like he could have he could have done a lot more to impress than just clowning around. Yeah, so I think what we're all waiting to get onto is the main event. Mr. 50 and 0 doing what the fuck he wants. As kind of what we all said, uh, uh, without breaking down each person's individual prediction other than Connor who decided to give it a miss last week. Um, I do think I got it spot on if we are on that point though. Late stoppage or points, I think. You know, I was, I was pretty spot on there. Oh, well, you've covered then a good portion of the fight, so you could well, really go you, to Well, you went for Mayweather in six, did you not? Yeah. So you covered half of the fight. But I it also, when you listen no, to the no, breakdown, no, no. I'm saying if you kind of round up what everyone has said, then we have done it because we said he'd come out fast early, he may have some success, and then his stamina isn't going to hold up and he's going to get stopped in the later rounds. Probably on his feet was, I think, what TK said which is pretty much what happened when then you get to the end of it. 
TK looking slightly more smug as as Luke said that there. But I think I was surprised by the success that he did have early, but maybe not so when you see after the fight. I mean, I know stories always come out after the fight, but Floyd said that he had a hand injury and he wasn't able to spar for the last month of camp. And then when you read, well, when you hear him say what the game plan was, which at the time you might think, oh, he's just saying that. But when you look, he didn't even throw a punch for the entire first round. And it showed the difference in levels when he was walking Connor down, making him work without actually having to throw anything back. And as he said, he there's that weird interview where he's talking about blowing his load for about two minutes with the ESPN commentator. <laughs> and he said he made Connor blow his load early and then from there onwards it was just going to be easy picking. Yes, to be honest, I was... Uh... There's people saying, oh, he had all this success early. I can't ever remember Floyd even stopping coming forward. He didn't... And that weird interview, I don't know if any of you saw it with Megan O'Leary after the fight where he was talking about that uppercut in the first round, I think it was. And he said, oh, if that had been a millimetre a millimeter away from his chest, oh, the fight would have been over. And I was just thinking, you hit him it's like, in his sternum. It wasn't like it was millimetres out, it was inches out. It was a foot out. Well, he, he can't punch properly is essentially what it is. So even with when he's landing clean punches, he's not having his whole weight behind the punch because he's not fighting like he is in MMA where he's able to throw his whole body weight behind it because doing that against Floyd, it was just going to be telegraphed the whole time. And the the um, the back fists or hammer fists to the back of Floyd's head, I I couldn't believe he didn't have a point taken. And, lo- and the low blow. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that didn't even get picked up. And he kept spinning him round as well. When I said at the start of the fight, when I was watching it, it with some people who don't watch a lot of boxing, and I said, oh, I'm quite I'm quite glad they got uh, Robert Bird, and he's normally a pretty decent ref. And after one round, I was like, what the fuck is Robert Bird doing? <laughs> Malanaji said it best before, where he said 90% of referees are just there to have the closest seat in the house. 90% of them, you can't do anything, which is why Floyd had to take it into his own hands, and he started putting his forearm in. I think he put his elbow in at one point. Which yeah, just pushing away the face. Just to you had to because bit of distance. when we slated Kovalev, we said that if someone is going to com- uh, repeatedly foul you, then you have to dish it back out or they're just going to keep doing it. If the referee's not going to save you, then you have to save yourself. Yeah. And so that's what he did. And then I actually said last week where I said, I think Connor will be surprised by how much he can have it given back if he dishes it out because Floyd doesn't look like a particularly nice person to be in there with if, if you're going to try and rough him up. He knows all the dirty tricks. There's yeah. actually a video on YouTube of something like, something like the 10 tricks like Floyd does and there's all sorts of things of the forearm the, where it's like he grabs your arm yeah. and just basically holds that in and basically so it just gets tired. Yeah. So he knows everything to do when he needs to survive as well. So even, even if he had get caught... Yeah, he knows how to survive in there. Well, there were some MMA things which Connor clearly tried, which I'm not sure if maybe it worked against him in the end because when they clinched, he kept trying to lock his arms up underneath and squeeze Floyd's shoulders, which yeah, that also burns your arms out just as much. It's like when they um uh, wrap in the like scissors in MMA and it burns your legs out if you're in there for too long. You can't get the choke, and it's kind of like that. So when you're repeatedly doing that, and his stamina already was questionable then it was never going to end well for him. He said as much in interviews afterwards. He said he kind of realised halfway through that every time he's doing this in the clinch, it's just draining my energy, so I'm going to have to just let him reset and go again, which obviously then suits Floyd, doesn't it? He said um, that he didn't feel a difference in skill in there. He just felt a difference in composure. 
it, I, was, I would say most of the stuff he said post fight was probably I thought he comes across quite well. It's fair enough, but that was he's like oh his, his power, his skill, his speed. It wasn't that good. I thought we were pretty level. It was just composure. Just, that was the least sincere thing I've ever heard. You're just yeah. watching. I'm like, what are you talking I don't about? Want to, I don't want to keep seeing these shit CompuBox stats as well. Oh. CompuBox stats are ridiculous. Are you telling me there was 111 punches you saw, which by a punch landed? What's the point in it landing if it, if you're not winning the rounds and it's a jab? Because he was literally just pouring at Floyd by the end, just doing enough to keep him off him at times. Yeah, they weren't like meaningful punches. At least when Pacquiao or when Maidana. Maybe not made done. When Pacquiao or Canelo, they were throwing meaningful punches to try and actually work something on the target, not just throwing punches for the sake of it, which is what Connor did at the start. Yeah, and they, they got worse sort of like pitter patter punches as it went on, didn't they? It ended up being yeah. very much kind of slappy punches. I I didn't see anything clean landing after the second round from him. Well, the first two rounds, there was a couple of shots where I thought, oh, okay, he's maybe more accurate than I thought. He's done okay there. And then I didn't see anything. I don't know what people were seeing with the scoring. Brendan Shaw saying it was 5 4. At the time of the stoppage, I can't. I I give him two. I could see how you could give him the third round. Other than that, I'm struggling. Well, a lot of people, a lot of people gave him the eighth. I know. I did, I, 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 unless I'm going to have to watch it back. I, yeah, I, see I do always feel like you do need to watch these fights back. But when I was watching it, I was just going. I texted my dad after one round, and I said one round for Connor. And then after the second, I was like, mm, yeah, two nil. Then after that, I was just thinking, yeah, here we go. Now now Floyd's actually up in the output a little bit. And all of this shite about there's no difference in skill or there's no difference in boxing ability. An ability in boxing is the ability to box 12 rounds. Yep. So all this shite of, oh yeah, he's just as technical. Did you see some of the, the way he was switching stance and trying to get around the back of Floyd? I was watching it, I was, I was thinking, I can't ever remember seeing a professional boxer do that. He kept crossing his feet over himself yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, that, that's almost the point I'm trying to make. Like, yeah. I couldn't understand what what he was trying to do. The other thing, such on what you said, is that um, it's a little bit like when Brooks' eye socket went against Triple G. Mm. Everyone's saying about um, how he eyes oh, is just uh, yeah. his fatigue, and that was the reason why. Well, the reason he got fatigued is because he's in a boxing match with Floyd, yeah. and what Floyd is doing, he's not just suddenly, he's, oh, wow, I feel really tired around six or seven. I've just felt really tired. <laughs> it's because of what the other guy's doing as well. Yeah, people made out in that one that Brooks' eye socket just it yeah, just like imploded. He just went the same as oh, his gas tank just went, and I thought he just capitalised on that. He was lucky. There's a couple of things that we said where boxing seems to be one of the only sports that people who are un- uneducated somehow have such strong opinions. I don't watch rugby union, so I'm not going to go and watch a final and say, you know what, I fancy this team to win. <laughs> Their kicking is just tremendous. <laughs> Yet someone will still go in and say. That left hand from Connor, honestly, it's it's something about the sport, I think, isn't it? I don't know. I think maybe everyone, maybe someone's been in a fight or something on the street fight, so therefore they think <laughs> I, I know got started on that side of kebab pass, so therefore I know what I'm talking about here. It's all good. I don't know. It's like Floyd Senior said, most motherfuckers don't know shit about boxing. I think that was Roger. But I think. The the worrying thing is as well when people were saying, oh, it's all about his ability to do X, Y, Z. And then you could ask probably all of them and say, how many times did you watch Floyd fight? And they'd go, oh, well, I watched him against Pacquiao. <laughs> did you not see the way that Floyd controlled that whole fight? Or the way that people go, yeah, but he landed more shots than Pacquiao. Or oh, he landed just a few less than Canelo. One judge gave Mayweather every round against Canelo, I think. <laughs> so he, he outclassed Canelo. He outclassed Pacquiao. He more than outclassed McGregor. 
He knew exactly what he was doing. 111 punches. I could go with Floyd and try and throw 111 punches in the first round. I'd be knocked out by the end of the second. Doesn't mean I've I've done it just as well as Pacquiao or just as well as McGregor. It's, it's a ridiculous stat. You could put in an amateur boxer who's just going to be able to throw a jab all night and be like, oh, but I did land 50 shots. What What did you think after the second round? Because despite knowing exactly what was going to happen, I was still shitting it. I was looking at the odds for McGregor's yeah. decision after two rounds. <laughs> I looked at the odds and saw that Floyd... 33-1 had, for the decision. Floyd had gone to 1-2 to two and I was yeah. like, could I genuinely empty my bank account had, on and make half money, of that in profit? After after six rounds, it was still um, four to six for the KO. Um, Connor, you actually thought that McGregor would win. So, <laughs> don't you dare! Don't you dare! Now, um, I was weirdly slightly impressed with McGregor, but then also very disappointed in him. I was impressed that actually how he boxed in the opening few rounds, I thought he was actually fairly decent and that had you not known that he hadn't boxed before, you would have just said he's a normal boxer. You know, he, he threw a few good shots and granted his footwork wasn't that great, but he he didn't sort of look out of the ordinary compared to what he may have fought before. Um, the thing I was most disappointed about was the fitness, really. It's the biggest fight of anyone's career you know it's a fight of the century he's had four or five months to train for it and he's he's gassed out by round five you know he's had the problems before in the UFC where where he has gone five rounds and he seems to have the same troubles and for someone who promotes his own cardio um (laughs) you know system that he seems to follow and that everyone needs to you know get behind it clearly doesn't seem to be working and maybe he needs to look at his team behind the scenes and have a look at where you can improve on that because, well, maybe not so now because I can't imagine that he's going to go into another fight of that magnitude where or someone who's going to maybe outclass him as much as that. But it's something that he definitely does need to look into if he's going to have the championship fights again, especially back in the UFC, I think, because five rounds again, he's going to be going similar to that. It's how dramatically he tired, wasn't it? it was, yeah. I expected him to tire, but it was just how quickly he just looked absolutely done. His legs looked so just wobbly. Well, it was like when... Uh, I think it was the third round and they were saying on the commentary, he's tired already, his mouth's open, his yeah, mouth open. And I, and I yeah. thought, no, it can't be. Maybe he's, he's just naturally breathes that yeah, way. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's quite difficult to tell when you're watching on TV, but obviously they're that close and he was going, he's heavy breathing already, he's heavy breathing. And I thought, oh, he'll be fine, maybe he should get a second wind in a minute. And it just seemed to you know, spiral out of control really, really quickly. And it was mental how how gassed out he was so quickly. It's exactly what I said when I was watching it. I said, McGregor's mouth open. I said, oh no, he's probably just trying to get as much air in as quickly as possible. He's only got a minute. And then he's still doing it in the middle of the round. I was thinking, Christ, I was that deluded. I actually thought that he was trying to just get the air back in him and he's absolutely knackered. I I said to TK before, because I watched the Diaz fight back, the first one the night before, which, and I said, you can't really make it the comparison because it is different, but one of Connor's issues is he can't. He doesn't hide it when he's feeling it. His, as you said, his eyes just droop, and he starts breathing probably heavily, and he goes really flat-footed. And he starts plodding around. It's when he um he does the when he gets a little second of space, he does that little sort of jump up and down, if you know what I mean, and starts shaking the like arms shrugs off. His shoulders, it's yeah. like if you're tired, try and just get in as close as possible to the guy, so he can't. Obviously, we're talking completely different as Floyd Mayweather. We are 
casual armchair fans, but at the same time, you know, we've never been in there with Floyd is the point <laughs> I'm making, but surely that there's got to be a better way than just trying to break off from a man who's only just going to keep walking you down. You know, he's, well, I think and when he was trying to clinch, it looked like he was trying to shoot in on Floyd. You can't. This is one of the things I was going to say as to how much credit you can give Connor. I saw a lot of people asking, "Fair play, fair play." You don't get credit for going ten rounds when you've called yourself the king of boxing before. You're going to knock him out in a round and all this. And I know you have to say that, but you don't get a participation trophy for going in there. Oh, well done! You lasted ten rounds because you can't say this guy doesn't knock anyone out. And then after three rounds, he's walking you down when you've got 20 pounds on him. You've got about 10 years on him and you're literally being bullied around the ring. You can't say, you can't say, oh, I'm going to go out there and blast him away in four rounds and not even be able to throw a punch in the fourth. <laughs> well, what I thought was quite strange is that he obviously mentioned that he was going to try and knock him out in the first four rounds, which was probably his best bet to do. And he seemed to like feel like he had another game plan where if he the longer he lasted, the more respect he would get outside of boxing. Because, for instance, if he went in and tried throwing heavy shots and he missed him and then got caught out early, he'd look pretty stupid then. Whereas if he didn't even throw any heavy shots, bar the uppercut, I can't remember him throwing any heavy shots that you thought, if that would have caught him, it could have maybe Let's say he gets him. lucky, right? He, got, he was all for him in the first four rounds. Yeah. He gets lucky and knocks Floyd down. Yeah. So he, he wins the first four rounds because he, all he's tried to do is just, just completely pulverise yeah. him. He gets knocked down. He's effectively five rounds up. Yeah. You only have to win or at least stay competitive and you might just about... You would look reasonable. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I, I just don't really get... You listen to some of the corner advice and I was watching it and listening and thinking, they're not actually telling him... They, they said at one point, when Mayweather throws, you throw. <laughs> and I thought there's no way he's going to outspeed Mayweather. There's absolutely it's impossible. It it was like he had the op- the opportunity was there, and he thought I don't really want. I'm I'm not going to go for it. I'm gonna I'm going to try and win some respect by just staying in there with him. The longer I stay in, people will go yeah he's done well today. He's done well. He's not won, but he's come out with a bit of respect. Yeah, I, I said on last week's one that became a kind of narrative that people were kind of making excuse for him already that. Oh well, if he goes the distance, then it's this is miraculous. This is the best thing ever. But um, touch on what Rory said. The corner, I think it was maybe going into the ninth. Yeah, goes. Um, you're still slipping most of the shots. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> His face is obviously battered. He's just been walking around the ring for three minutes. And he's probably thinking, "What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I've not slipped anything." <laughs> he had that moment in the ninth where he hit Floyd low, and I literally shut a brick. Thinking, right, he backed oh up, my didn't god. He? Yeah, it's probably yeah. Adam Smith on Sky probably did yeah. that to us, didn't he? He's a dramatic voice shouting at us. I thought, oh, he's done. But um, going back to the tiredness thing as well, what was the round just before you went back to the corner where he literally just slumped on the rope? I think it was like seven. He literally, the ref like broke him out, yeah. but he just slumped right on the rope. You, oh my god! <laughs> it was like watching David Hay and his Achilles all over again. <laughs> well, we saw some nonsense before. We saw some nonsense after on Facebook. I've kept some of the best posts I saw. Well. One of them, um, Mayweather won two rounds, turned his back the whole match, no different than when he ran against Pacquiao. Some of the others that I've kept, so we've got... Um, well done to Connor. went 10 rounds with boxing's best boy, didn't utilise his energy properly, Floyd kept turning his back and was very protected from the ref, but for some reason I couldn't help feeling like Connor wasn't putting it all into his power shots. 
I know his punches are normally more venomous than that. Maybe I smell a fixed fight, but fuck it, it was good. <laughs> the, the, the one issue I really do take with this, people who clearly don't really watch fighting but watch that fight, or they, it was the kind of people I mentioned last week when I said they maybe watch three fights a year, two McGregor, one Joshua. Yeah. And despite what, he could have got blasted out in a round and they would have just gone, oh, but it was a lucky shot for Mayweather. <laughs> but, but when he KO'd Jose Aldo, it was... Well, he just he knew exactly what he was doing. It's this problem of where you get people who they can see no wrong in McGregor because yeah. of the man he is. Someone got a screenshot of when Floyd's been hit low and he's buckled down, and they've captioned it exactly my fucking point. Look at the shots in the octagon. A guy with his head down like that, he would fucking destroy him. Blatantly <laughs> affixed, he can do better. Rounds were five four when they went into the tenth. If he had better cardio, he could have gone the distance. And as for the boxing world, Shafiel Barris, boxing's golden boy, couldn't stop an amateur boxer until the tenth round. Right, this is a man. Can you imagine, like Messi now, goes off for two years and comes back? Are they going to be like he should be winning the Ballon d'Or? Really? <laughs> it's he's he's forty years old. It's like he said, he's not the fighter he was five years ago. He's not even the fighter he was ten years ago. Can you imagine a 29-year-old Floyd Mayweather fighting a 29-year-old Conor McGregor? It would be over in three rounds. McGregor wouldn't lay a glove on him. Can we talk about Sky? <laughs> we can. <laughs> the, the, the one comment. I can't, I can't remember who it was. I'm pretty sure it must have been Froch. It must have been. <laughs> if Floyd comes back now, he's... He's got to be up there with some of the title contenders. And I was just like, well, yeah, so clearly he is. He's he's one of the best ever. He, he is probably the best ever. Of course, he's still going to be up there. Do you mean, he's... I think I tweeted about it. Dan Hardy. Throughout yes. the thing, it's saying about... Um, it's saying, oh, Connor would normally do this, but this isn't an MMA contest. At round eight, he's like... Yeah, you could do this, this. But obviously, it's not MMA. Yeah, we know it's not MMA. Right rounds in. <laughs> the one before the fight. Oh, it uh, looks like Connor's shaved his head for this evening. Yeah, I think he's done that so that when he gets in the clinch, he can get a bit more perched. So he comes out and he slips, slips the, you know, slips through it a bit. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Stick some oil on his head or something. <laughs> so he can just stay a bit cooler and try and preserve that stamina. A point on the walkouts. How anticlimactic were the walkouts? The walk to the ring was about ten yeah. feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't even drop the notorious, and he and was already yeah, there waiting. The, yeah, the music, the music was so uh, late coming out as well. I thought usually they do it from the dressing room, which yeah, normally McGregor walks after sort of a minute forty-five seconds, yeah. roughly of his song. But he was out the, before before yeah. the, the second part of the song they had all even the lights dropped. on as well, didn't they? Which was quite strange. I wanted Floyd to do the Goldberg. And have that music drop and have all the security around him as he comes out. <laughs> when he's come out with that IRA bandana on, their uh, balaclava on. Yeah, when he came out with a balla. <laughs> with his lips as well. For some reason, he was like scrunching them in as well. It was when, um, I, th- I think it might have been you, Byron, that, that tweeted about it, saying that we've had Dan Hardy, he was now commentating on his first boxing match and he's already a better commentator than Carl Froch. <laughs> this, this actually wasn't me because I actually didn't think Froch was that bad on, on Saturday yeah, night. Well, Compared to his usual, I didn't think he was, but he he's still frotch, isn't it? But he was so anti McGregor, even from like round one and two, where it was quite clear that McGregor he he's no way he's going to keep this up. <laughs> we know it, but he was he was just so so against the idea of him even having the chance of winning, or you know, it, it was quite bad really that he was it was very biased. I thought the commentary, yeah, um, so when, when he did listen it. back to it, even well, you said Dan on the MMA side of things was very biased towards Connor, but. 
That, that's the way it is, unfortunately. Does anyone have any issue with the stoppage? Because I've seen people say <laughs> just because Connor said, let me go down. When Whoa. It's not MMA. You don't go down and then you can land a couple more shots in. You get protected from yourself. And when you can't even lift your arms up anymore and the ref has to hold you up after the stoppage, you can't really complain about it. I genuinely said before the fight, the closer the fight got, the more fearful I was for McGregor's life going forward. <laughs> when... And then after two rounds, when he's getting hit with nearly everything that's being thrown, I was genuinely quite concerned. I was thinking, if if Floyd really starts going after him, and the ref does does nothing about it, we could be looking at a situation where, yeah, he's made a hundred million, but he's never going to fight again. Floyd said, "Or he's never going to be the, the same fight, again." He said, "This is going to be my last fight, and after what I do to him, this is going to be his last fight." He's he's lucky that. Floyd took it up because despite it probably being the hardest fight it was also probably the safest fight for him because imagine Floyd hadn't done it and he'd ended up in there with Golovkin or Canelo they would have decapitated him <laughs> but in terms of your long term health that could, a fight with Floyd could actually be worse because he's, yeah. he's not a savage puncher you'll just keep taking him and he's obviously he was determined to obviously stay stood up and keep in there so he's going to be taking more and more I think during the thing I was saying I thought they might pull him he's still... those later rounds I was thinking he's taken a lot and he's just he's just about holding up. We said if he, he said about let me go down. If he went down, do you think those yeah, legs would have let him no. get back up? They were heavy. We said as well, didn't we? Floyd isn't a light puncher, or people would just walk through him. Yeah, he hits hard it. enough to keep you off him, and yeah. Connor's head was being ragdolled from yeah. side to side. It was the fact that I never thought, I never really thought McGregor could ever get the respect of Floyd. Mm. Whereas when Floyd started connecting with Connor, it's like he instantly gained the respect, and all of a sudden it was him pushing forward. And the other thing was, you look at the finish, the left hand that Robert Byrd intercepts was probably just about to take McGregor's head off. His head was down by the, the second or third rope. He gets hit with that. He's probably so far forward that his head's just going to eventually take over. Gravity will prevail eventually. <laughs> there was still two minutes left in the round, or a minute 50, I think. Yeah. There's no way he was going to stay at that whole round. Absolutely no way. It's quite weird that he said in the interview after... Oh, at least let me go down, which I thought for someone who has so much pride in himself that that's what he wouldn't have wanted to do. He, he I would have thought that he would have wanted to be stopped while standing up rather than imagine if, imagine if he was knocked out. Imagine social media with what, exactly. what it would be. It would have went stupid. But you see what it was like with Broner when he, you know. The ref's almost saved his brand in a way because yeah, yeah, he when, has, when yeah. the next time yeah. you go into a UFC fight or whatever, what's the first thing I'm going to say is like, well, you were put asleep by Floyd Mayweather who can't punch and can't yeah. do anything. So, and all the memes and whatever would all be... But similar I mean, to the Nate Diaz, wouldn't it? You know, yeah, tapping exactly. out yeah. and all of this. It would have been 10 times worse than that if Floyd would have actually KO'd him. I wish you could have seen Byron desperately trying to say, like, I just want him to go down. Get him down. <laughs> Get him down. <laughs> well, this... Um kind of works on quite nicely because there's there's a 30 second clip that was put online last night of Brendan Shaw debating with Nate Diaz out the back but you called debating yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was beef <laughs> and Shaw and Shaw is saying to him uh, it's hard to work out exactly what he's saying he's either saying mm. he won rounds or he's saying to Nate could you win rounds against Mayweather and then Nate's saying he wasn't even trying. He wasn't even trying. And Shorb starts, starts walking off and Nate sticks his finger and goes, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Nate, wasn't it? It sounded a little bit like Nate was saying Connor didn't win a round, but I don't know. That some people have surmised yeah. that, I think. I don't um, know if that was. Just to, to go on from there then, to close this one out, if we ask what we think Connor does next, because 
there was about eight posts before the fight had even finished about people asking to fight him next. And Khabib says it makes sense to fight him next because you've got Kevin Lee and you've got Ferguson there and then he's the highest ranked one. Can you imagine by any stretch the UFC put him in with Khabib next in December in uh, Las Vegas? Because well, if he's knackered after walking around for for three rounds, getting wrestled by Khabib on the floor, he's going to need an inhaler in the corner. <laughs> Khabib is a different beast. I've said it time and time again. I am probably number one in the list of people that loves Khabib. He beats anybody in that division. He probably beats most people in the division above. He's an absolute monster. I still got images in the he- in my head when he was ragdolling. Is it a be Abel Trujillo around and he, he suplexed him about 14 times in two rounds. <laughs> the only way they can sell it is because where Michael Johnson cracked yeah. Khabib at, was it UFC 205? That was 205, yeah. Where he cracked him in the first round and then he kind of wobbled a bit and that's how you're going to sell cra- it. He cracked him, but two seconds later he was on his ass with well, Khabib I, I, pounding his head into the mat. I guess the point is that if... Connor cracks him, then he's probably not going to take it like he took Michael Johnson's. But that was where Rogan, they were, they were right next to him, and he's going, just stop it, just stop it, because he was going <laughs> to snap his arm, wasn't he? Well, it was when he was, if you seen the video when he's speaking to Johnson, he was like, just give up. I fight yeah. for the title next, you know this. And then he just starts <laughs> whacking him in the face. Yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, logically next, he probably comes back, and it's either the Nate trilogy, which I think everyone gets behind. I don't get behind this. Well, I, I think that it's if the next champion, logical spot. If you're a champion, then how can you fight like well, the ranked seven yeah, guy? But it's just going to happen. We, we all know that it this is going to happen. A... But the worst thing is, if you go down through the rankings, who does Nate beat out of that like top five? Because he doesn't beat Ferguson. He probably doesn't beat Kevin Lee. And then who who else is he um, going to beat? Yeah, he can beat. He can have a good fight with Barboza. I think he'd probably beat Barboza. And he could have a good fight with... Um, I see Dos Anjos gone up, hasn't he? Dos Anjos called him out straight away. <laughs> I would love to see... I'd love to see Justin Gaethje v. Connor. Can you imagine... But he's got... He's in with... Yeah, I know he's in up. with Alvarez. But can you imagine Gaethje's gas tank against Connor's gas tank? <laughs> I hope... <laughs> I hope he goes up and fights Woodley. If he goes up and fights Woodley... An interesting point about this. If anybody wants to make some money... I looked into this last night. No, no, on a serious note. As long as the fight's not a draw, which... Obviously, Woodley's got history. But you can back McGregor on Paddy Power and Woodley on Skybet and guarantee yourself profit. They're both over even money. Oh. I was meant to put this in the spitball. I wouldn't and... be putting any money yeah, but, at yeah, but you all can guarantee yourself money. But you could guarantee more money when you put all of that <laughs> on Woodley and Woodley will take his head off. Well, can you imagine Woodley trying to wrestle him? Yeah, but it's a he, scary thought. He was, get, he was getting hurt by Floyd's punches, which I know this is going to be a recurring thing now, but... In them tiny gloves when Woodley's hitting you. That's just simply too big. Everyone yeah. says everyone says about him potentially stepping up to that. I imagine imagine his gas too, Imagine his gas tank if he goes up. He yeah. can yeah, exactly. he can do it his natural way, let alone going <laughs> up to to that way. To answer your question, I could see if only because he didn't rule out a return to boxing. There was something in him that he seemed didn't seem like he enjoyed it. If Malinaji carries on and keeps going on, I could see him doing it. I, I could genuinely see that happening only because I don't see an immediate thing for him in UFC in terms of like there isn't someone there ready, bang, ready to go. 
Paulie doesn't really hurt him either. Yeah. He's not a hard punch. And he'll, he'll make the argument that he gave Floyd some trouble early on. So if he can do that, and then if Paulie's not in, it's a little bit older and maybe not in the best shape, then the gas tank may not come into it as much and we could have a close fight. I think it, he goes into boxing as well. Next, His next fight will be a boxing match. Just because I think the UFC won't be able to pay as much as what he's going to be able to make on a boxing match. Yeah. To be able to fight in boxing, he has to agree with the UFC. And he was guaranteed £30 million on from just straight up from Saturday's fight. And then he gets a split of the pay-per-view buys. He had to pay the UFC £44 million <laughs> to be able to have the fight. No other fight makes enough money for him to be able to do that. When the UFC can get 1.5 million pay-per-view buys from having him fighting the UFC, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, but they can. I just think they can build it as a closer fight with Malinaji, and he can still make enough that the fights he's talking about in UFC are big fights, but they're not a lot huge, huge, huge needs, money fights. He needs to give that belt up then, because yeah, that is kind of holding it hostage if he does. Then hold on. Do, does it make sense for him to? whether he can or not, buy out of his contract at the UFC now. Because, in effect, is he bigger than or on par with the UFC in terms of he can make more money outside of the UFC now? But if he goes into boxing next and then he gets beat by Paulie, who just got beat by Sam Eggington, then mm. does he... Does he that. Well, yeah, yeah that, that's he, maybe the risk he takes, but... I think he talks about staying in boxing. I think he's got one more fight, regardless. He'll lose whoever it is, but it's just... Can he make it into a massive event, sell it, and then it will get done? Do you think he loses to Paulie? Yeah, yeah, I think Paulie's decision, which is maybe an achievement that he managed to go the rounds. But I think if Paulie stays good, to get, if he gets in good, if he gets in good shape, then no, I mean they'll they'll play size, it they'll yeah. play it as oh well he's done the rounds, which but he'll go again he'll go into that and say oh, I'll wipe you out I'm going to king of boxing I, so I you get what he deserves. I think he takes the Nate fight and then yeah. retires. That's it. If he retires, he's well, got he's got this. McGregor promotions thing now and he's he's looking to sign fighters and he said he wants to have his own events that he's doing mm. and so I struggled to see how you're going to be motivated to fight Tony Ferguson when they're does gonna, he, they're does he try and maybe build a European promotion maybe just return it's too home. hard it's too yeah, hard but because why would you go to him over Bellator or no why would you I, go to I, him I over... don't you won't you wouldn't but this, this privilege of, oh, well, I can fight in this new up-and-coming... I just... On a realistic note, I know he's made all of this money from, from this, but do you know, like you look at what the UFC had to do early days. Does he actually realistically have enough money to build his own brand? He's got his own clothing brand coming out as well. But, his own whiskey? Yeah, but does he? Yeah. I, does he genuinely? Like, this isn't a... How much did he make from this fight? Let's say $100 million. $100 million doesn't get you far if you're trying to build an international business. I think he's going to ride mm. off into the sunset and I think you'll see him at movie premieres, you'll see him on chat shows, you'll probably see him at WrestleMania and I think he's just going to be... He can do whatever he wants. If he retires without ever defending a belt, that's a fucking disgrace. <laughs> Durandamy was stripped for it. Yeah, but the, the fact that you're not a true champion until you defend your belt, that's the old saying in boxing. This sudden thing, this sudden thing that he's never going to defend his belt, but people will still be like, oh yeah, but he's a two-way world champion. Well, I guess we're kind of done. Should we... I could see him doing what you say, but I just think he'll have a few more fights yet. I hope two so. Or three I hope so. Yet because before that happens. I've slagged him off in the thing for this. That's just because he's... You need to stay in your lane. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, obviously I'll still want to see him in the UFC. I'll probably, che- I'll probably support him against most people. Yeah, definitely. But, 
I think we need to see him there, and I need to see some intent first before I'm prepared to get behind it. Before the fight, I was always going to support Mayweather because the exact point you're making. If it was an MMA match, I'd be all over McGregor. I'd, I'd want him to win. It, just this fact that he wants to jump between sports. No, you're not a boxer. You're never ever going to be a boxer. In, you're a failed Irish amateur boxer. In in closing this one out, just a minute silence for every person who's tweeted. How long would Mayweather last in the octagon? <laughs> Mayweather didn't ever ask to go in the octagon. Connor asked to come into boxing, so we'll leave that one there. We did have a nice interesting football topic to go in on here, but in light of uh, yesterday's events, it's probably best that we do a little roundup of the Premier League and quite notably Arsenal. Anything you two want to get off your chest before I go? Because I can't <laughs> promise there's going to be much stopping once I start. Yeah, I... Before we get going on how bad Arsenal were, can we actually give a bit of credit to Liverpool? Come on. Liverpool were clinical in front of goal. All four of the strikers that played all scored. We absolutely dominated possession against a team that apparently passed the ball well. We were well organised. We limited to no shots. We even put Carrius in goal to give you a chance. We, we were the dominant side. Arsenal are no longer a top four side. I said it in our that's, Premier that's proven, In our well, Premier League predictions, I was slated for saying Liverpool will be in the top four and come second. Quite I, rightly. I was laughed at. They're currently second in the league. <laughs> I was yeah. slated for saying Sadio Mane has a chance of becoming PFA Player of the Year. He's been exceptional the first three games. Even when we played shite against Watford, he still played well. He got the winner last week and scored again this week. Please go on, Luke. Are you finished? Yeah, and I'm enjoying seeing your face. Liverpool <laughs> Liverpool would have beat the best Arsenal that would have turned up. Yep. He's right. He we, beat right. The, we beat the best Arsenal last, the opening game, 4-3. They, I, they were a decent Arsenal side. They came to our patch and we battered them last year. We battered them the year before that. I don't remember Sanchez getting a touch of the ball, if I'm honest. I can barely remember. You had no shots on target. They got, uh, opened, before, up. They got opened up. Before we do get you have your rant... Should we talk about the undefeated three wins out of three? Oh, no. Top of the yeah, top of the league. We're worried about that later. And also another point. This is a shout out to Liverpool. A plead with Liverpool. Please tie down Emre Chan on a new contract. He can go for free next year. All this talk about Oxley Chamberlain mm. can go for free. He wasn't a patch on Emre Chan yesterday. He was one of the best players on the pitch on Wednesday when I went to watch, and he was one of the best players on the pitch yesterday. Liverpool rested Minulay, Arsenal rested Carrius. <laughs> That's fair. Shambolic performance. I'm having to kind of maintain my rage. One, I don't want to break these mics. And two, I've, I'm just past caring now. <laughs> That's not true. I can see it in your eyes. No, That's after the true. second goal went in, I didn't even react to to the <laughs> others. I went and bought drink at halftime because it was that bad. And then it didn't help at all. It just it just made me even angrier for the second. So you nearly broke your door on the third, didn't you? So <laughs> yeah. That's not caring. <laughs> Well, I didn't say anything. <laughs> We've got a keeper who is living off his reputation and he's honestly shambolic. I'd rather have Ospina in at this moment in time. Um, he had made that one good save, but that was more right at him. And he had a shambles just before. We have a brand new left back who's got a goal and an assist in his first three games. And so we put Hector Bellerin, a right back, at left back, Bellerin's been shit ever since he grew his hair. Honestly, no clue what on earth he's been doing. We've got Monreal at centre-back. 
who has been quite consistent, but a left-back, not a centre-back. You have Rob Holding at centre-back, who I don't really have too much bad to say about because he's literally 18 years old, so he's going to make the mistakes, so you can't really be too angry when he does make them. Then you have Koscielny, who I don't know what on earth he was doing yesterday. For a start, he was stupid enough to get sent off in the last game of the season, and then now... He was being an idiot during that game. He's supposed to be the leader of the back of the defence, the most experienced member in there. Doesn't do anything. Mertesack is the captain, who isn't even good enough to play. <laughs> and we signed him a new deal, and then he's going to be teaching the kids next year. Well, I don't know what on earth he's going to be teaching them. Then at right back, you've got Oxlade Chamberlain, who is honestly one of the most disgraceful players I've ever seen play for Arsenal. I thought it was bad with Jovino. I thought it was bad with Walcott. And now we've got Ox there, who's just as bad, can't cross a ball, turns down 180 grand a week, <laughs> and still stays in there. He can say it's for ambition. The ambition is not there because he's getting game time. You're appeasing a guy who wants to leave and dropping your best left back in the club and then putting your right back at left back because of him. If he was putting in a performance to maybe suggest that he deserves that cash, Wenger said he wants to build the team around him. (laughs) (laughs) Then in midfield, you move on. You've got Xhaka, who's given away the ball three times to concede three goals so far this season. He's piss poor. He's so shit. Well, well, let me run through the team and then we'll... Let me finish. Who started in midfield with him yesterday? We had Ramsey. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I don't know what he took for that one season. I, w- I want to go back to week one of this season. Byron referred to him as the Welsh Messi. He turns up in big games. <laughs> oh, okay. In, in, in the FA Cup. I'm not being funny, but yesterday, did you see when he was walking away from, and he was ranting to somebody down the sideline whilst Liverpool was scoring a goal? He turned round and, and was expecting the ball to be released to him and then just went, raised his right arm and then saw the ball going in the back of the net. Who at least we, he was there ready to take who the do we, Who did we have at left mid? So we had... Sanchez, Sanchez. People keep saying that they'll let him off and they feel bad for him. He's been just as shit as everyone else in all these games that he's been playing. If you don't want to be here, I've changed my mind. Fuck off because I'm (laughs) sick of seeing him in the shirts. He's He's not going to put the effort in. Uploaded to Instagram a picture last night of him with his head in his hands. He spent more time trying to dictate the game than maybe when he was grinning on the bench. Oh wow! Oh wow! (laughs) The rage, the rage that went through me. Then we had Urzel in the middle. He he has been a scapegoat for a lot of the time. Yesterday he deserved every single bit (laughs) of slander that he got. He's never going to be a player that's going to go in there and dictate the whole pace of the game. At least do what you're doing right. Do not pick balls into Welbeck when he can't finish. Do not shoot from 20 yards out when you've got less power than Stephen Hawkins kicking the ball. (laughs) Then you've got Welbeck up top. I thought it was harsh when Van Hal used to slate him and say um, that why would you why would he keep a striker that can't score goals? He was absolutely right. Two minutes, what was it? Two minutes into the game when he had that chance that he's blazed over, and they said, "Oh, he should have done a bit better there." He's right in front of the keeper and he's hit it over the bar. Good defending by Joe Gomez there. You've dropped Lacazette. You've spent £50 million on a striker and you've dropped him because you've got a good squad of players that know how it is to play in these big games and you just don't know if Lacazette's ready for it. Is Welbeck ready for it? <laughs> if you're gonna, if you're going to not play uh, Lacazette, then play Giroud, who can actually finish. 
Especially against Liverpool. Yeah, it'd be ideal for him, really. Walcott, I would have rather had in there than Chamberlain. Walcott usually has a good game against Liverpool as well. Mm. Wenger, I don't know what the hell he is doing. Neither does he, don't worry. I've never been Wenger out previously. Wow. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But yesterday, it's going to be a very, very long... He needs to do the honourable thing and walk. (laughs) After that game... After that game... Three games in. (laughs) Shit against Stoke, shit against Leicester, kind of papered over the cracks by getting the win. Was very buzzing after the win. Yeah. I would say, anyone listening, listen to last... See episode twenty six. Yeah. Between about five minutes and nine minutes, there's a Byron rant about how brilliant Arsenal are, and there's those two on those on that side of the table saying about how great United and Arsenal are, and how shit Liverpool were for the first week. Arsenal things have changed. Arsenal have spent so far four million pounds when you take away the players that have been sold. No, I don't think Liverpool have, oh, uh, Liverpool have really spent Four million either. pounds. Huddersfield have spent more than four million pounds. Right, can we get on to a more important point as no, well? No, we're still Liverpool, going here. Liverpool, no, we're still going. Liverpool were slated for defence. They've kept two clean sheets out of three games in the Premier League this season. Look at the teams you've played! Arsenal, apparently a big team according to you. Did you Crystal see Palace, the performance? Crystal Palace, a team that you said Did were going to be the overachievers. The I Watford. Didn't, I didn't say Palace. Watford. Yes, oh, sorry. Con did. Watford, who are undefeated. All right, Watford, we conceded three times. But in seriousness, we've defended well the last two games. I'm we've, your... limit, we've limited the two teams we played to one shot on target in two games. You're fishing it. Arsenal need a new central midfielder, possibly three. <laughs> <laughs> Wilshire needs to come back in. Is he ever going to play again? Yeah, Wilshire needs to come back in. Ramsey needs to be dropped. Al Nenny can come back in for Shaka. We need a powerful person in midfield. I would make Wilshire captain now. Genuinely, genuinely, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, scrap it. Something all. else. A new centre back's needed. Mustafi can honestly. I do not care if he goes. <laughs> He's been shit since he signed for thirty six million pounds. For him, him and Shaka <laughs> combined were over seventy million. Does get over that? That is absolutely. It's not quite Liverpool level. It's not. But right. it's, it's not bad. quite Liverpool level. It's exactly Liverpool level. Thirty-five million a flop is very Liverpool. We haven't. We've barely even spent any money in the last two years, and we're still competing. Well, that's because of the money you spent on the previous players. Your your transfer team must be scared to death that they're going to find someone else. What, you spent twenty million on Stuart Downing. <laughs> He's gone. He's long gone. We spent thirty-five on Mo Salah. What a brilliant investment that looks like. We spent thirty, I think thirty million on Sadio Mane. How much would he go for if we sold him now? He'd be Mane, closer to seventy. Mane, I can have. Salah, I'm not sure we I'm spent, buying. I'm not sure I'm buying into this. We two. spent. In we the spent. Market, that's going to look good regardless. Even oh, if yeah. he doesn't, even yeah, if he yeah. doesn't achieve everything, he's gonna. It's gonna look good. We we'll go on to some of the others. Roberto Firmino was less than thirty million. Sturridge was only fifteen million. Coutinho was eight million. So yeah, Sturridge is costing you five million a season with the when he plays his one game. Coutinho was eight million. We're about to set, we're close to selling him for one hundred and twenty million pounds. You should be selling him. We should. We should. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's right. by the buy. Yeah, we've we've made a few errors. I mean, Adam Lallana twenty million, not a bad buy. Jordan Henderson eighteen million. He's he's been exceptional. <laughs> em, em, Ray Chan we brought on the cheap. <laughs> Henry only 10 million. Yeah, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Did you just call Henderson exceptional? How how could <laughs> you moan about how could you moan about anything he did yesterday? He closed the play down well. He made numerous important challenges. He sprays the ball well. I don't know what more he could have done yesterday. Kids in midfield. Listen, wait, you wait, take wait. him over Wilshire every day of the week. So no, sit back oh, down. Would Woods 
Henderson getting Arsenal's midfield. No. And he'd be and no. he'd be captain as well. No, he no, he wouldn't. He'd be captain as well. Did you watch it yesterday? Yeah. Connor's as a genuine independent third party. He's not independent at all. Yeah, if anything, he should be hitting Liverpool more. Would, would Henderson get in the Arsenal side? Yes. Would he be captain? <laughs> he's captain look, of England. Look, looking at the other players that they have in the team, probably. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's captain probably, of England. Yeah. He's not captain of England. It's going to be Harry Kane for God's sake. Oh, for fuck's sake. If Henderson starts, he's captain. Simple as that. I think that says more about maybe club and country than it does for yeah. Henderson. He, he gets so much unfair stick. Absolute, unbelievable amounts. Partly from you. <laughs> I, I've never slayed Henderson, ever. On the I way, actually like Henderson. On the way to Sheffield for the darts this year, your quote was, get him out of my club. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's absolute lies. Absolute lies. Arsenal, that even with those players on the pitch, they're still not incapable. They shouldn't be incapable. They are They shouldn't be incapable of just a clear structure to the team. They look like they're absolutely clueless to what they're doing. You don't change that 3-4-3 system because you haven't actually played it properly yet when you've been having Monreal at centre-back and left-back at right-back. I think my major issue with Arsenal is, and this I said this Me. in the group... No, <laughs> no. I said this in the group yesterday. I can never imagine Arsene Wenger going in at half-time. Can you imagine if that was Fergie, Mourinho, probably even Klopp, Conte... Like Conte any major manager, and they had that side 2-0 down at half-time. What's be, the phrase? Is it, there'd be three is changes. It iron iron? Is that the phrase? And they'd be absolute, they would be bollocked. Something along those lines. They'd be scared to, to come in after he, 90 minutes after that chat. He used to have chat. someone like Vieira in the dressing room to push him, and now he has no one that is prepared to speak up to him. Steve Bold is the biggest yes-man in football. Yeah. He's got owners that are prepared to keep him in there just because he guarantees the money keeps going in and in and in and in. I could imagine that Wenger would come in at half-time all the players would sit down. He'd sit down with them and say, anybody got anything to say? Our I owner, can't imagine him coming in, slamming the door and barking. Our owner them. has just bought a ranch bigger than the size of Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> We're just his little pocket money that he can just the, pick his money out. He pays himself £100 million a season for being owner. The, uh, <laughs> the thing with Wenger is, Arsenal, back in the day, they did used to. If they had a performance where they were struggling or drawing or losing at half-time, you could always guarantee the second half they can't and there'd be a reaction. Yeah, Henri, and that's just not there anymore. Henri said in that invincible season where we went away to Anfield and it was a key point in the season where we needed to push on, he said Wenger told them by no uncertain terms in the dressing room that they had to go out and win the game. And he said the players there were all fired up after seeing, after hearing what he said. Yeah. Now that we've got a team of players that need their arm around them, you've got Chamberlain getting games just because we don't want to offend him. He's... <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's actually lost. When I looked at Wenger as well, and I thought, like, how much does that hurt you now? It should, that should hurt. Losing 4 0 and getting absolutely dicked, that should hurt you. But I, I don't think he's that bothered. Van Persie was absolutely spot on with that statement. Keep that on record. He I didn't said, expect this. He said, when you read the statement, he said he had a meeting with the board and he had a meeting with the manager and they were going in a different direction to what he was planning, which at the time looked absolutely horrific when he was saying, the little boy inside me made me want to leave. Mm hmm. You can clearly see what the what the message he was probably told is. We're going to keep in we're going to keep investing in young talent. We're going to bring through. We don't have the money to invest with everyone else. We've got this stadium we're trying to build. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. We've got more money in the bank than any club yep. in the Premier League. Yep. We make more money on a match day than any club in the world. Yeah, you've got money to spend, and we spend four million in a transfer window and go backwards. 
Yeah, maybe it's getting worse. Maybe it is because of previous transfer windows where you spent that money on Xhaka and Mustafi, and that's I don't know. Maybe that's scares you. Well, that's down to the team. That's down to the people buying the players. Yeah, yeah. you got to spend better. He brought in Jens Lehmann as a goalkeeping coach and claimed they brought in a, a chief negotiator and thought that was going to appease the fans. <laughs> it was. It's when I mean I know I was joking off off um, air a moment ago about Liverpool have bid for Thomas Lamar, etc., etc. You but, haven't bid for Thomas Lamar. Sky Sports are in your head. But all right, okay. So there's reports that we bid for Thomas Lamar. Arsene Wenger was said last week. Oh. We're not going to bid for Lamar because he's, he not for, say that. he's not for sale. He said that the transfer is dead because they're refusing to sell the player because of the other players they've had go. Okay. But the, the fact that, that now another team's coming in for him or reported to be bidding for him. Well, then Mbappe went. Why, yeah. <laughs> why are they not pursuing players like that? A player they probably need at the moment. If Sanchez goes, they need somebody who's going to go in at left midfield. Well, they are. They, they bid twice for him and didn't bid enough. Yeah, it's a, it's a typical but, Wenger but thing to do. My, is... This is my point, Colin. Like they, they need to go all out and try and spend the, the money that they have available and try and buy the players. If they're unwilling to go and spend, they can't then moan when they're absolutely shite. Like it's like they have it. It's like it asks Monik, "How much would you sell him for?" Fifty-five. Okay, let's bid forty. <laughs> okay, no, you're not quite there. Come back. Okay, we'll go forty-five. No, we we're not going to pay that money. Right? And it's just like. Where are you? Where are you going with you this? You could probably reasonably whittle a team down to fifty. Yes. Yeah, you might get a bit of negotiation out of them. Yeah. But you're not going to be like, oh yeah, we're bid fifteen million under. We take twenty five percent off the transfer fee. You said the team can't complain. The team aren't complaining. It's the fans that are complaining. Well, Wenger, Wenger came out yesterday and said, I mean, the fans should still be getting behind the team. I'm not. Being, be I'm not being faith. funny, but you look at you look at a team. I can always remember when we were about thirteen or fourteen. We used to say, if we can get the other team bitching at each other, we're probably going to win the game. <laughs> This is what Arsenal's like. If you can get them bitching between themselves, you probably win the game. When, There's when, no cohesion in the unit anymore. When we lost that 5-1 to Liverpool, when Skirtle scored two, I was <laughs> angrier then because I didn't expect it. It doesn't even hurt the same now because it's not even surprising when it happens. Particularly in the game against Liverpool as well, you kind of know how you've got to play and there's no real adjustment for Arsenal. It's just we'll try and go out and do what we normally do. And if you do that with Liverpool, they, they can do that. So. Do you know what it reminded me of United a few seasons ago where when Fergie left and Moyes came in <laughs> no, no no listen to what I'm saying where that season Vidic went Ferdinand went Giggs went uh, Skulls obviously left the season before and they lost a lot of the older players and you looked at the team and they struggled for the next two years and you looked at the squad every time they put a squad out and you thought it's a team of boys they are literally they are boys against, fighting against men and they lost the men who were there in Vidic, Ferdinand. You look at that team yesterday of Arsenal, it's a team of boys. There is no men in that team. I'd not, also be... not, not one of them there, look at that team and tell me, is a captain. I'd there also is not be worried one. about Arsenal's seeming lack of ability to look at Liverpool and think, if you defend correctly for the first 20 or 30 minutes, you'll be given chances. Well, just they were out of the game after half an hour. Just to go off what Connor said, not every team has the luxury of being able to spend half a billion then to get their team built back together. <laughs> Here we go. Well, should, we, should we talk you're, about you're, you're, wait, wait, you? Just, as you said, you've got the most money in the bank. You make the most on match days because you charge your fans £70 a ticket and away fans over £30 a ticket, which is basically illegal in Premier League terms, but you still somehow manage to do it. It's ridiculous. And it, Not this year, but in the last couple of seasons, you have spent quite good money. At the time, and, and you've it bought, hasn't really come off. You've bought boys. I just Mustafi. It's a good pathetic. 
It's a good Shaka, point you said pathetic. about the, the players aren't complaining, the fans are complaining, but the players should be complaining. They shouldn't be happy with what's going on. Uh, I, I don't look at any of them and think they're really gutted about what's happening. Uh, so what put a say? pathetic post on Instagram. That yes. doesn't surprise me. Where is it? No, hang on, Connor. What, hang could, on. what could Arsenal players realistically say? They can't come out and go, I'll tell you what, I was playing centre midfield today. The rest of the midfield around me, shite. <laughs> Ertzil put this as if we should feel sorry for him yesterday. He put after the game, <coughs> blame us, shout at us, criticise us, but I'm also very disappointed about today's game. We wanted to achieve a positive result before the international break, but we were simply not good enough during the 90 minutes and Liverpool deserves a win, no doubt. <coughs> Usually I'm too angry to post on social media after such frustrating days like today, but I don't want to let this match go uncommented before I travel to the German team. Gunners, I'm sorry, especially for the fans who travelled, but we will try everything to improve the next game and bounce back. That's He's probably been sent that by someone else to post. 100%. Can we talk about United? I just really don't want to talk about Arsenal anymore. <laughs> Does that feel any better? No. I actually feel worse. Connor, just you say your thing. <laughs> just going back. Say your piece. <laughs> uh, what was it? Three Before we just finished, one more thing. Three years ago, I'm pretty sure it was, or two, three years ago, Carragher said on Monday Night Football, the Arsenal team, <laughs> any, of those, any of those players, if, you, if your daughter brought them back, you would be furious because they're not men. It's like yesterday when that he is, said... It's exactly the same three years on. It's worse, if anything. It's like yesterday. He said last season he was slated for calling Arsenal cowards. He said, I was, I was told that's not really appropriate for TV. He said, I don't care. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> Cowards. <laughs> and it's exactly right. They're, they're just... Gutless. Your daughter bringing back a, one of them men. Ozil with his fucking blonde highlights <laughs> in his hair. Imagine. Imagine. I'd take this if Carragher was consistent. Arsenal are just such an easy team for the pundits to shoe in. They just spare the other teams. And rightly so. In what way? You said, you said yesterday they were see... spot on with what they were saying. They were spot on yesterday, but in so, general. But it was just yesterday. In general. Only yesterday. Before that, it was completely unfair. It's, if, if other teams were slated the same, I'd see it more. You're, what you're, other teams should be? You, you're claiming you're a big... slated for every bit of defending they do Wait, badly. So... You claim you're a big team. You've not won anything major. Let's take away the FA Cup. Oh, wow. The FA Cup. Take FA away the, F- respect F- for the it, FA Cup. Yeah. Okay, but the FA Cup has kind of lost its value a little oh. bit. It has lost it a little bit over the previous you years. You celebrated the fucking Europa League. Champions of Europe. Um, but you've not won anything major in, it must be 13, 14 years now, is it? It's got to be. The FA Cup is still a legitimate Yeah, the trophy. FA Cup. No, what I'm saying is it's lost as, like, you've not challenged for a league, is what I'm saying. So what have you won that's a legitimate big trophy? What, so we're going back to, what was that, 2009? With Ferguson and 200 million spent. Your team yesterday, I guarantee you, your team yesterday must have been worth more than Liverpool's. Yeah. No. Starting line up. Starting line up. You had Ozil and Sanchez not. in there that's nearly 100 million combined. Mm. He spent 55 million on a striker and leaves him on the bench. So you can't include that in the starting lineup. No, but what, no, but what I'm saying is. You've brought him in to score goals. Sky have done a, a piece on him beforehand because he's the new main man and Omri is, what's your, what's your job? My job is to score goals this season. I'm going to score goals when they couldn't, couldn't score goals previously. Team lineups revealed. He's on the bench. He started well as well. He, I'm not sure if he can play in big games. He's played in the Champions League for fucking Leon. Yeah, it was, it was strange. Can we talk about United and then move on? <laughs> Let's talk about it. So yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a drink. <laughs> it's kind of say your piece. It's... 
Go on, Con. You can go on, and then we'll we'll get on to. It's looking good. It's looking very good. Leicester, the that type of game last last season would have been a game that would have been a draw. It's a game where United would have probably went one 0 up as as they did, and they would have conceded. There was a time where I think Vardy went through, or no, Damari Gray went through, and he had the chance to play in Vardy, and he didn't. He had a shot which was nothing, went to nothing. Last year, he would have played in Vardy and they would have scored. It would have 1-1, would have finished like that. But I think United, just what they have off the bench now is, is for the Premier League, it's quite scary. Champions League, I don't think, I still don't think they have enough. But with the group, with the, <laughs> with the group that they've got, I think that, well, they should definitely get through. And then, as I said previously, and when we started to do the, um, the predictions for the year, if, United get a half, half decent draw in the next few rounds. Mourinho, with his one-off game experience, he he could be very good in getting United far, and they could go quite far in the Champions League. But Premier League not conceded a goal at the moment. Um, it's it's not as if the teams have had big chances. Really, the one, the only one I can remember is the one where um, I think it was Ayu who hit the bar, which was a cross, which he missed hit and hit the bar. Bar that United have looked brilliant, I think so far. United have looked good, but I think we do, I suppose, with every team that I've been kind of picking up with Liverpool, obviously, Byron's been all over Arsenal. There is only three games gone. Oh, yeah, granted. You know, we, yeah, we, we do need to all kind of have a little settle down. But <laughs> You celebrated being second in the league earlier. <laughs> it was a tongue-in-cheek comment. I was just making the, the point. But I, I do feel like United do look very strong. But it'll be interesting to see when they do play against the slightly well, they, better opposition of the well, league. Tough game, Stoke away. Yeah, so that's, it's, like, that's next. Well, after didn't have a break, but it's a gritty team. Like it's the not. First, they're, they're not yeah, they're, they're, they're not what they used to be, but, but they, they do are. Have, they do have a few talented players. Yeah, when you look at them on. Even you look at them on Saturday. They went one 0 down against West Brom, a very hard, difficult place yeah. to go, and they still pulled it back and got the draw. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. West Brom drew with Stoke. Stoke beat. Yeah, Arsenal. But we're off. It's, we're it's, off Arsenal now. <laughs> it's it's yeah it's. Until they play one of the big teams, that's where we're going to all play a few of the big teams. I think that's where we're going to see how good they really are. But, I mean, if we're going off what they've done pre-season, played, that's what I mean, Real Madrid, they only lost 2-1-2. I know Madrid dominated the game and, you know, it, sh- it maybe should have been more. But to come out of, you know, most Premier League teams would have took a hammer in with that team. Two of those three opening games United have been bum teams. West Ham and Swansea are an ideal start. That's a lovely start. In terms of teams you could pick. The fixtures are fixed. They don't don't play a tough team till about 10 games in. They'll have a nice little run then as well. Have a nice bit of momentum behind them. Our next away game, Chelsea. Ours is City. Yeah, ours is City. I don't really know what you're complaining about. City, I think you versus City... uh, Entertainment-wise, could be the the best game of the season in terms of... We could get massive. But... Yeah, City. We could, but at the same time, we could go there. And we could get a few, but City. I think they're going to beat the big clubs, and then they're going to do, they're going to suffer against the little clubs as well because they look absolutely clueless when they're trying to break teams down. I do think it'd be interesting. Like Mourinho is is renowned for being very, you know, setting up teams very well organised. I just wonder what will happen the first time United go behind. Well, that's what he said the other day after the West Ham game. I think it was no the Swansea game. He said they said, "Oh, what do you think about the win?" And he said, "Oh, it's a good win." He said, I won't be impressed until we go one down and then I'll see the true character of what and this team's about. It was now. like he did say, after two games last year, you were on six points. 
Yeah. You know, after two games this year, you're on six points. It is amazing how quickly, you know, the season can change. I mean, it's, yeah. it's been ideal for you that nobody else has stayed unbeaten. Uh, nobody else has won all three. Mm. Arguably, Liverpool should have. They should have beat Watford. Yeah, yeah. And then the next two games, they definitely will deserve it winners. Um, it, but it's been ideal in the fact that Arsenal have dropped points, Spurs have dropped points, Chelsea yeah. have dropped points, Man City have dropped points. Already the top four looks very open. Yeah. One thing for me as well, which I'm not very sure about, is the re-signing of Ibrahimovic. I actually don't... Th- I think it could be a big disadvantage in the long run. It'll be, a, it'll be interesting when he comes back and he's expecting to play. Well, I think if you're reading quotes of what they've said online, it seems like he's been told that he's not going to be first choice when he's back. But at the same time, is he's not the kind of personality oh, no, that's going to well, sit well, in well, the bench well, this, well. this is the problem. He's not that type of personality to do that. And for Lukaku, one of the big things for him probably was coming to United, knowing he's going to be the main man, yeah. and that's what he's sort of been missing from other clubs. He's but you know, number, well, yeah, that's the thing. Obviously, when he was at Chelsea previously, he he didn't get the game time. And he wasn't number even for Belgium. You look at his Belgium record; it's not great because he's never just the sole number one. They swap him, Benteke, and a few others, Mertens. But I think bringing Ibrahimovic in and putting a bit of pressure on him may not be the best thing for him. For him knowing that he's the main man there, it seems to be working well so far. And bringing him back in as a sort of in his shadow a but bit. At the same time, may... if, if you didn't sign Ibrahimovic, you could be at a point where Lukaku's going to play close to fifty games. That's well. That, that's the other that thing. That would be it? extremely worrying for a player yeah. that's never done it. And you know, mm. if, if then he suddenly got injured, or well, that's yeah, that's maybe the risk you take. I mean, you have Rashford through the middle, but Martial is another one you could yeah. play. But at the same time, they're they're completely different to Lukaku. If you're yeah. if you're basing your style around how you're going to play with Lukaku up front, mm. I can I can see why he has re-signed him, and it I can see how it can work, and that he may play some Champions League games and some of the other games where you may want to rest Lukaku. But I think it could slightly work as a disadvantage at times say for instance he comes back in and plays a Champions League game and he scores a hat-trick yeah exactly then you've got to play can, 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 you, yeah, can you drop someone who's going to do that no. and it's, but Mourinho you know if there's not going to be any manager that's going to be able to do it Mourinho's not really going yeah. to give a shit is he? yeah I, uh, I wonder what Ibrahimovic wages are yeah um, just to just to close this one out um, what do we think of Sterling's red card I thought that's probably a good. Point I, to I close genuinely on. thought is how more of them weren't sent. That's the thing, isn't it? Because if you book Sterling, why aren't you booking but, seven other players? But the, I suppose Sterling is what you would describe as the instigator. But Alan Shearer going in saying, "Oh, you've clearly never scored a last-minute winner." No, they've been refing. It's their job to make decisions like that. It, it would have pissed me off more. It was Mike Dean, wasn't it? Yeah. It would have pissed me off more if yeah. if the ref would have bottled the decision and not sent him. No. <laughs> No, well, I'm not, yeah. being, I'm not being funny. It's the rules. It's the rules, rules he's looking rules. at, not the ref, right? It's like, what if would have we... happened if he had took his shirt off then and gave it to some fan in the crowd? You'd be going, oh, what, a, what an amazing act. No, it's a yellow card. But if you we jump in the crowd, it's a yellow card. If we instill every rule, then we're going to have a lot more penalties. We're going to have a lot more bookings dished out. Then... Yeah, but th- this is this is the problem with the level of refing. This isn't the problem with the rules. It, if it was anyone different, I may think differently, but Mike Dean has a history of wanting to get the attention on himself. <laughs> he does love it. it it's, all right, okay. If if he scored and he wasn't on a booking and he and he got booked, would you say, oh, it's a fair booking? This is my this is one of my problems with the refing. Is a player if a player committed the same foul twice, that would be a standard yellow card. He pulls the player back on the halfway line, stops the break, stops the breakaway. That's a yellow card. He does it when he's already on a booking. Suddenly, it's not a yellow card. Mm. It, it, 
it drives me mental. All this, oh, it's a little trip. Oh, that's your first yellow card. Then the second time he does it, oh, and, yeah. oh we'll give him, we'll give him a talking to. If it's the second yellow card, then fucking book him. Get him sent. The one thing which I thought he was quite unlucky about Sterling was that he he didn't actually go into the crowd wow. where he he didn't yeah. step over the barrier. Yeah. The crowd came down towards him. Yeah. That's yeah. that's not his fault. You know, he was going over there to celebrate. He, if you score a 96th minute, you're not going to run over to the away... If he goes to the away fans, you slate him more. And he probably gets booked for antagonising them. He's going to go to his home fans and them celebrating a winner, they're going to pile forward. What yeah, else can, th- it, what else can he do? At the same time, you can stop at the at the byline and celebrate. Yeah, but when when you score like that, the emotion that takes over you... Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do completely agree. Probably, but he he probably doesn't time, remember what he did for those five seconds. At the same time, this problem with... I take the real issue with the fact that the refs are so reluctant to show the second yellow. If if he hadn't given the second yellow, would we even be talking about it? No. Because if yes. you recall, well, we li- if you recall the season where Leicester won it, Welbeck scored the last minute winner, and he ran and jumped in the crowd, and four of the players followed him. Nothing was said, and we in oh, maybe not everyone, but we enjoyed the moment for what it was—the last minute winner—and no one was even talking about the decision. And surely it should be the fans that are punished for jumping in into the onto the pitch rather than the players because Danilo was even worse. Danilo was even when the fans were in, he was rearing them up, jockeying <laughs> his arms about, and nothing was said to him. Yeah. I think it was one case of the referee wanting to overexert his power when you have it plenty of times where you have a big like European game. And you have a foul early, usually in like the classical or something. And sometimes you have the ref and he'll put a card down early and they'll say it's to control the game. Or other times he won't give the card and they'll say he understands the tone of the game and he wants to let it flow. And surely there's got to be a level of understanding in there. Yeah, but I do feel like um, we obviously, I don't really know what the procedure is, but Mike Dean will be assessed every single game that he refs. If If he doesn't show that second yellow card... There's going to be somebody in his ear saying that should have been a second yellow. Why didn't you deliver it? Why did you bottle the decision? If that's the case, then he wouldn't be refing because he might have foul decisions he makes every single week. The amount of uh, offsides that aren't given, the amount of offsides that are given wrongly, the amount of fouls that are given wrongly, the amount of things that are missed and they don't get pulled up on that every week. So if they're going to get pulled up on that, then I think that's a dangerous precedent. I just take I just take the problem with this reluctance to show the second yellow card. If it's a booking, it's a booking. Is it more to the fact you didn't want Sterling playing against Liverpool? That did enter my mind afterwards, but at, <laughs> at the initial point when I thought that is a second yellow, I, I I hadn't even really thought about it. I'd rather have him playing somewhere other place. Yeah. I, I was just about to say that. Like, if I was a Liverpool fan, I'd rather have Sterling playing than probably Sané, Agu- Aguero, he's Jesus. He's poor now and again against Liverpool. Since he's left, he's, it's not like he's been amazing. Early last week, it was revealed that John Jones has once again been popped for taking performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, we've been calling the GOAT on this podcast, as many others have, since uh, he returned and throughout his whole career. And I wondered if that changes your view on it. Uh, Rory, if you uh, kick us off, you've been quite a hater of John Jones. I feel vindicated. <laughs> In everything I've been saying... He is an absolute scumbag. I, it's disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. 
But to get on to your question, he is clearly one of the most gifted people to ever step into the octagon. You put him in there with probably anyone from heavyweight down to, to down to anyone that's ever fought a light heavyweight, and he probably beats them all. Probably, obviously, we don't know how quite how well he would transition to heavyweight, but he is an exceptional talent. Probably, clearly, probably the the greatest ever. But it is hard to now get behind anything he says when you think how many of his fights were fought when he's been popping pills. But when you're now, say, in five years' time, you're asked who the greatest of all time is, do you still go with Jones, or does that affect where you place him? Um, For all-out ability... The exciting nature he is to watch, the amount of people he's beaten, the quality of opposition, you probably do have to still have him as your default answer. But maybe the fact that he's only done it at one weight class, we've had Anderson Silva step up to light heavyweight in school, Forrest Griffin, former champion, school Stefan Bonner, still beat people at his well, own weight really class. Were they really heavyweights though, do you think? Light heavyweights. Yeah, oh, okay. I'll Sorry. Think. No, no, I did say light heavyweight. Um, you know, he beat a former light heavyweight champion. He beat a who's who list at middleweight. Um, and yeah, he's lost fights, but probably just because he's he's way over the hill. Um, On a side note, he's fighting Gastelum next, which is... Uh, yeah, Gastelum absolutely yeah. dominates him. <laughs> um, but I guess one of the points is we've seen a lot of the people that we probably would have near the top of the list have been popped for performance enhancing drugs at some point during their career. So we spoke about it the other week and we don't really want it to get it into a list of who's taken the best drugs during their career. The The point that I thought with Jones was when he seems like a fairly like self-conscious person, like he seems like someone who would like beat himself up about things, when you are, you clearly have all the physical attributes to be the greatest, would you not want to know deep down that you are the best without any help whatsoever? Like, I, I struggle to get myself in the mindset of knowing that it's not really me that is this good and I'm getting a lot of help from the drugs. Or do you think maybe kind of like Lance Armstrong, he they justify it by, oh, well, everyone else is on it, so I'm still the best. That's the same with any form of cheating, though, isn't it? You think, what's the appeal? Because you're not winning for yeah. winning. You're just doing it because you're cheating. Um, I don't know, maybe it is like an addiction to winning. People seem to think he's the type of character that just messes up, as in he just... If there's something to do wrong, he does seem to be able to do wrong in any sort of given scenario. Does it not... When you say the best ones are getting popped, do you not think it kind of starts to ruin the integrity of the sport in that it you, start, you start questioning, well, these guys are the very top and they're getting popped, so what's it like for the rest of everyone there? I mean, we don't want to get into the big debate we had the other week, but I think the drawing point would be until McGregor's popped, then there's <laughs> going to be that it's not going to be completely ruled out for everyone, I think, because he's kind of the face yeah. that people will still say, well, he's still doing it without it. Yeah. My point would be, Demetrius Johnson, you could put up there, because, but I would have had him up there previously because he took on all comers until I saw that he turned down the TJ fight, which has affected my view of him. You have been hating ever since that. Well, it's because now we have to, we have to put ourselves through this Ray Borg fight. But if he fights him after that, is it all alright? I'm not sure, because when we know he has turned them down, but I suppose, yeah, he can redeem himself if he does go up and start dominating. 
Because we didn't... We were happy for, to wait for Mayweather to fight Pacquiao. He turned down before, so... We weren't really happy, though. And at the same no. time, he was still facing legitimate contenders. Mm. Whereas Ray Borg, what is he, ranked like eight? Yeah. Does it not lose some of his appeal as well if on the same night... Is it the same night that Cody fights? No, it's not. Okay. That's but UFC still, if, two, six... If a month later... 17. If a month later, Cody Garbrandt beats TJ Dillashaw... Do we then not lose some of our appeal in TJ fighting Johnson? Definitely. Then it would have to be Cody versus... Yeah, but the whole thing was that TJ was going to drop down. Yeah. You know, can you really see them prizing DJ up? He'll have to go up. There's no one else for him to beat. Well, actually, I bet he'll fight Sergio Pettis, won't he? He'll win and then fight Sergio Pettis. They might as well fold the division if he moves up. I don't know, because there's always, there always is someone looking to come through. And maybe with him gone, you'll actually have some more competitive fights. Mm. So it could be fun in that aspect. Like, when Rousey, we saw her exposed, it was fun because suddenly you had all these contenders. Like, when Klitschko lost the belts and suddenly you had all these new contenders in there to fight yeah. for it. But, I mean, that's a bit off the is it topic. Not slightly different when, obviously, Klitschko goes, we've got AJ Wilder. They haven't yeah, been yeah. beaten by Klitschko. Yeah, I know what you mean. But we, we lose Johnson. We go, yeah. oh, but we've got Henry Cejudo. Oh, yeah, he got beat. Oh, yeah, we've got Joseph Benavides. He got yeah, beat. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. But in terms of whether Jones is the greatest ever, I think it's more a patch of who can live up to his accomplishments than anything else. Because if you knock him off, then the doubt is how long do you think he's been doing it for? Yeah, has he been doing it the whole time is the, is the argument. Kind of going back to your question of um, the self self knowing, like, can he do it? Maybe the reason he's taken it or has been taking them is do you not think maybe he's scared that had he not taken them that he loses his legacy, and maybe the worry of or the anxiety that if he was to lose that that would hurt him more than being known for pop- popping them again. Maybe if he calls out Brock Lesnar. They could have both got popped together. <laughs> I think perhaps he hadn't been taking them and he was so terrified of losing to DC. Yeah. And the fact he's then come off doing the coke and the partying beforehand, which I've read a couple of people saying maybe he wasn't quite as clean cut there as we thought, but Is it maybe the... he needed another crutch to keep himself thinking that he has something to fall back on. Is it not that there is perhaps the possibility that he was... He was, ex- you know, exposed for doing sort of the party and the cocaine, all that kind of stuff. Perhaps he was on something else before that. I mean, like, we, you hear these stories, oh, it was uh, like a dick pill that he took. <laughs> How can you not know what's going in your body? How can you not know? Or he claims, oh, I, I really didn't know what was going on. That story of him hiding under the octagon looks worse and oh, worse. Oh, Chael Sonnen, yeah. yeah. Oh, 100% he must have been on something then. 100%. It's not a good look. Um... Kind of what we touched on before, the silver been popped for PDs, and then a lot of the other contenders have been popped for the same. So it's kind of like when you take it all off everyone, then you're back to an even playing field again. Because unless you give it to DJ by default, which mm-hmm. seems a bit, when you look at the title runs of Jones, you look at the title runs of Silver. Even if they were on the PDs, it's still more impressive than TJ beating Horaguchi whilst on nothing. So the other thing is, did a do the drugs give you the skills that people like Jones have got? That's it's, the, it's obviously a huge advantage, but does it does it give you the technical ability that he I, possesses? I read a thing this week, and I think it was a discussion with John Kavanagh in it, and he was saying that the PDs don't give him the basis to be able to land the kick, 
but the PD's given the basis to be able to train more because his body can take more and so he yeah. can work on landing the kick. And so that's how it works. It just means your body doesn't break down quite as much. And it must affect that sort of muscle makeup as well. So, for example, with um, with the sprinting recently, with Gatlin's just won a gold medal at the age of 35. The long-term yeah. effects for me kind of suggest Bolt's starting to slide already and he's 30. Gatlin's just as quick as ever and he's 35. Yeah. So the question, does it have a long-term effect? It seems to, physically, does seem to have a good long-term effect for you. It's actually more heartbreaking because we see that the Miochik fight was meant to be made for December in Detroit. Dana had to release that, didn't he? He had to let us know that. I think... Just, 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 he wasn't, oh, look at what you could have had. <laughs> oh, well. He wasn't in Dana's good books as it was. No. And he's certainly not going to be in... Now he's going to have about a three-year layoff. Can you imagine? It's a bit like Bully. Do you remember old Bullseye when he used to go, and look what you could have had. <laughs> yeah. And Miocic, I genuinely think, probably would have given him the toughest fight that he's, he could possibly have. Miocic is a, a really sound, fundamental boxer. He was a college wrestler. He was a Golden Gloves winner. He's so well-rounded. It's not been confirmed yet as to what it is, has it? Yeah, I, I read what it was. I did, I, it has been confirmed what it was. Can you uh, try and pronounce it for us, please? Uh, I couldn't even... What, what actually d- does it do to the body, though? Oh, I'll, have to, I'll have to get it back up. I don't understand these. Like, cause it, obviously, they say he took it a few days before. Mm. So, surely... For someone at a professional level, he must have advice on what he's taken in his body. Yeah, this is my point. How can but you not know? How, 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 no, but like, how can people around him let him do it, knowing that he's got a major fight coming? But at the same time, it's, it is a. I know they say, oh, I've got my team behind me. It is still a solo sport. It is a solo sport, but they they must be around him enough to yeah, know that yeah. he's taking, or maybe not know that he's taking stuff, but... He must ask people advice, or where where would he be able to get stuff like this from? It yeah. must be through the team that he's yeah. getting this stuff from. With that being said, it's that's kind of an indication. It's not a one off and not a new thing, yeah. doesn't it? As well, because it suggests that they're along with it, and you've got to carry on doing it. If he just got this out of nowhere, yeah. like, oh, you don't need that. We don't need this. I do remember the substance that he failed for is something that's been discontinued, and so it it it's not possible to be found in over the counter. Yeah, so it's that's come it's come by probably certainly questionable means rather than saying definitely illegal but it's like when he went through this whole power lifting phase the damage that would do to his body surely if he's training full time as well and Mm. doing all this power lifting you've got to question was he on something then to not as you say get that amount of muscle breakdown or that damage to the body Mm. what would you like to see done with the division next because for me I would go with Özdemir against Gustafsson for the belt, or to earn a shot at DC. Does DC? Are we assuming that DC automatically gets the belt back? No, because the thing is, he did still lose. Yeah, I would love to see a bit like they did with the like the boxing, the Super Six. You put Gustafsson, Manoa, Uzdemir, Cormier, two bums, <laughs> two chins in there to be KO'd. <laughs> and and you go for a light heavyweight tournament or you get somebody if anybody from heavyweight feels they can drop down anyone from middleweight wants to step up and take their chance or you get you know a, an OSP or a Shogun or somebody like an old yeah. vet maybe to try and be sort of obviously I don't really know how it works and one last roll of the dice maybe and I don't know if they'd want the division on hold for that long because obviously it means that you're not going to have the title for that long or maybe even just four people yeah. They do the semi-finals, mm. 
they both kind of come in with an interim type belt. I think, that's then, quite, I think that's quite a good idea. Mixes it up as well, well which keeps it interesting. Four for the would fans. probably be ideal because you could do DC and Uzdemir, um, Gustafsson and Manoa, for example. I mean, it's hard to build Manoa off his loss. Or maybe you say, we try and get somebody in, you know, from um, like a, a different division. Or maybe maybe there's somebody out of the UFC. I mean, it would have been perfect if they still had uh, Rumble in there. You could have had Rumble. Or if Gegard Musassi would have been there and he could have stepped up. That's it. It's not just Jones. They've lost recently. It is Rumble Musassi, yeah. as you said. And maybe um, Uzdemir will probably feel like um, that that fight with Manu has maybe earned him. If it's not earned him a shot, then at least an eliminator against someone. His, like, his next fight should either be for the belt or to get someone to fight him for the belt. He probably does feel that. It's kind of like a shame that this has happened now because it was, as we mentioned before, it's kind of like Jones was kind of taking the torch with McGregor mm. we're unsure of what he's doing whereas now it's all up in the air again and like I said the other day is this more of a loss for the UFC than it is Jones mm. how valuable does McGregor now become oh, yeah. for the yeah. UFC it's ridiculous just, yeah. just to explain I've seen it's um it's pronounced um, Turinabol which is what he was ta- what he's been taking it was the same drug that Frank Moore was suspended for um, it's taken orally rather than injected and it's famous for being what the East German Olympic teams used through the 60s, 70s and 80s. And the longevity it, of the drug. It's now completely illegal and it's particularly useful for athletes because it results in lean muscle gain without any significant accompanying water retention or rise in estrogen levels, which is why it's so hard to detect. Right. Oh, wow. um, the, the weird thing is that he was picked up in the post-fight test, which is the one you know is coming. So it's, it's yeah, very. I read something on Facebook where somebody I don't know if it's one of the people that trains at his gym or one of the the people that takes one of the classes, but they said why would John Jones get done in the testing nose that's coming? Oh, I just, smell some kind of. No, I've just seen up up until now, up until recently, it wasn't able to be detected. Whilst you were taking like up to days after it was being taken, it wasn't able to be detected in the system. Right. And um, the WADA accredited labs have now got a new test in place where they can detect it weeks or months after it was taken. Right. So that probably explains a lot. But they were saying, why would Jones be doing it when he knows that the test's coming? Well, this this thing, look, that was his training partner. I think it was. And they said, oh, it must have been a tainted test. Somebody's cheated his well, test. This is the thing he said. What does anybody gain from that? He went. He went DJ Khaled style, and he was like, they they don't want him to succeed. They want him to fail. If you're referring to the UFC, he, as you said, he's the most valuable person to them outside of Conor McGregor. 800,000 pay-per-view buys they did on Jones Cormier too. And because in a time when they've been struggling to sell other pay-per-views, they are not going to do anything. He could punch Dana backstage well, and they're funny. still going to have him headlining the next card. If anything, they'd be trying to cover it up. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, if anything, they'd be like, right, how much is it going to cost us to, to hide that test? Are you surprised that they haven't tried doing that? Um, I don't think they'd get away with it personally. They can't. It's done. It was announced. It's a commission. It's uh, a commission. Do you think if, so if they had the opportunity to do that though, that they would, knowing that they're in a bit of a bad state? I don't think they could. Surely, because if that came out, it'd no. just ruin the company, mm-hmm. wouldn't it? The thing is, I've seen. We had this on Saturday with Mayweather McGregor, where some boxing fans think they can't like UFC because they. Like boxing, and some UFC fans fans think they can't like boxing because they like UFC. 
And there were some boxing fans going, oh, this is the state of UFC where look at all the best people getting suspended. And it's because in UFC they actually try actively to catch their cheats, whereas in boxing it does get slipped under a rug yeah. and David Price can be beat by two known abusers back-to-back. And so this is what we need more of. No matter how good or bad they are, we'd rather see them get caught. And are, we're not prepared yet to give in and say, just let them all take it. They're all on it. When We're going to find out now who's on it. It's getting to that stage now where it may come later, but we're going to find out who's on it. And then it's just a case of punishing them aptly. And I don't want to hear any tainted meat or anything <laughs> like that now because it's it's happened enough. You've taken coke. You've hit, you've hit a pregnant woman. You've taken drugs twice now. There, there's got to be an end of the line. And if you let him get away with it this time, then where is the limit for what anyone else is going to get away with? I touched on it when we did the athletics and the drugs in sport. I would love to see lifetime bans. I, I just genuinely, I'm at the point now where if somebody gets to take a year off and they come back, like like I mentioned last time, if if somebody say was to do something at their job which was illegal, they'd be sacked. They wouldn't say. Go and take six months off. Come back. You'll be a reformed character. Go and sit at your desk again and we'll mm-hmm. get you back set up. No, you're sacked. You're gone. Let's say, like a very basic example, you're working at a bank. You start robbing somebody's money. They don't start going, yeah, all right. Do you want to go and take a year off unpaid and then you can come back because obviously you've done your time? It doesn't work like that. Well, I'm looking to get someone to come on and join us in a couple of weeks to explain what the steroids are that are being taken and what they do and kind of how prevalent is because I question why they need to take all these supplements but I guess he'll be able to explain a bit better as to why to do that but in closing are we all still saying Jones is the goat until we see anyone push on or maybe we'll see what GSP does next we'll see what the contenders around him do and then we'll be able to perform a better debate when we have a bit more come out about this because we don't have the B sample yet but it does look fairly conclusive the B sample is going to be isn't it? 99%. They're not going to release it. No, the A sample is 99% accurate. So, yeah. But until then, I guess we'll decide after. Late last week, the Cavs and the Celtics announced a trade that would send Desire Thomas to the Cavs and Kyrie Irving to the Celtics. Um, TK, just me and you left the lone survivors. Yep. Um, as a Celtics fan, do you like the trade? It's it's an exciting trade. It's um, I think I said on here before, Kyrie's maybe my favourite player to watch in the league as well. So, and quickly, if he comes to Celtic as well, I'll just call it favourite player. Full stop. There we go. But it's I think I said to you, it's almost like buying a sports car whilst your house needs doing up. It's like the roof's falling in on your house, but we've got a lovely sports car outside. This what they've given up to get him is a little bit contradictory to what they've always kind of gone with as their policy in terms of keeping their picks, hoarding them a little bit, uh, trying to keep players. But yeah, I'm excited by it. I think both sides benefit in some way or another. I think it works. Kyrie obviously wanted out. Yeah. Cleveland got a good comeback in return. Um, For the Celtics, I think with what they've got rid of, it might be highlighting more Kyrie's deficiencies because he's not really a Westbrook where he can just take over the game mm-hmm. um, because he doesn't do it at the other end. He gets the rebounds, but he's not going to be reeling the assists, the blocks, the steals. No. Um, and then on the Cavs side, they've given up a 
ball-friendly player who scores and can't defend, and they've got like the second best player in terms of doing that with Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Um, the Celtics weren't going to re-sign Isaiah Thomas. They weren't going to pay two hundred million to no. a five-foot-nine guard who can't defend. No. So they have essentially turned a guy they weren't going to re-sign into Kyrie Irving, which you can't really fault too much in fairness. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I'm sure we'll probably touch on Isaiah's injury. But if yeah. that's if that's worse than feared, then it's you, yeah, just may have to give up another pick. So I'm not sure because we've seen it. we've seen now that Cavs are saying that the physical wasn't passed, and so they're demanding more for the trade. Surely you got to look at that before you agree a deal to trade someone in. You know he's got a hip injury. You know he's not at the surgery. So I think no. we're now in it era where news gets leaked so quickly that yeah. you want to be the first to leak it yourself but it's not officially confirmed until both players have passed their physical okay um, for LeBron I think LeBron's got it okay because Isaiah Thomas is probably going to flourish with the space that he gets because he's usually the guy that he's singled out whereas that now goes to LeBron and so when LeBron's singled out Thomas is going to have even more space to work with yeah, it's it's more how much of the board he's going to want is going to be the issue. Yeah. But he's not really a playmaker, so LeBron can still take on those duties. Um, and then with um, the Cavs getting Crowder as well, yep. they have essentially taken Celtic's best option in terms of guarding LeBron. Yep. And so you've made them stronger offensively, but you've taken away defensively where defensively was probably the issue they were having more going against the Cavs, so... Yeah, from Celtic's point of view, you've lost Avery Bradley as well, who's yeah. their best defender. So defensively, I think they've got worse. Um, it makes it now the most interesting matchup in the NBA. What, Boston and... Boston and Cavs. Club. Because yeah. Golden State are going to beat anyone. And at least with these two now, you you have a dynamic where there's the storyline with LeBron wants to leave. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're, I don't think they're possibly going to turn away the trade because they're not going to get any better and what they had, they got the backup with the pick if LeBron goes. Yep. Um, and then they want to give it one final push for LeBron's final year, so they're not going to get rid of it and start scratch when you've got Kyrie doesn't want to be there. So That's it, you're in a position where you have to do it now, aren't you? Um, it's whether they get an extra pick out of it or not, which is, is going to be... That's the only thing. That's where we'll see where the deal's been done. Very good deal for them if they do. Because me and Sean did the NBA draft preview, and we said that it looked like the Celtics were getting Tatum in because they didn't want to go all out for a point guard and they wanted to wait until LeBron leaves and then they can take over. Yeah. But they kinda of, they're giving away the assets that were there ready in place to make that big push with the draft pick when LeBron left. So it, it's strange. Maybe they sense there's a weakness there and they can have their NBA finals pushed they're so desperate for. Yeah, if if LeBron does leave, he's probably going to go west as well. So it's after this year, yeah. you're probably then the dominant team in the east. I don't think either of them have particularly helped themselves out in terms of beating the Warriors. No? No. Do you not think Cavs are in a better position to beat them? Mm, I don't know. As a because... one-off game, I think that's, they're in a better position now. Because you can defend, but do you quite now have the scoring potential? Because Golden State have legitimate lockdown defenders that were keeping Kyrie out, so they're going to be keeping Isaiah Thomas out. Can you really play Isaiah in that game is the issue, because it's just, defensively is... It's, it's what they do now, whether they can turn that first uh, round pick into another asset. Yeah. So some people can, are saying they're going to go for Cousins with it, which... 
that I think that's more of a dream scenario. That's a very big. They might point. get weighed if he buys out of his contract, but is he going to change anything at this no. point? The salary cap thing's so ridiculous because it literally doesn't stop anything. If a player wants to go somewhere, they find a way to bend and use pay more tax. <laughs> I keep seeing all that with obviously Celtics had to, had to get rid of people like Avery Bradley to make a salary cap. They didn't want to pay the luxury tax. I think is how it works. You pay more if you go over. Okay, because I don't. I'm not an expert be, on that. There seems to be so many teams that are able to get it done. Warriors, Warriors, obviously. Clay, Green, Durant. Yeah, how you get them under the same yeah. cap is. Um, I think it's it's still the summer's gone as good for Celtics as it could have. You've got Gordon Hayward on a free. Yeah. You've got Kyrie in, and so maybe they with Hayward they thought this is this is it. We've got it here now. Let's go for it. I don't think you could deny they're a better team than you were. Got start Kyrie locked down for. You've got Curry locked down for two seasons as well. It's not maybe like, free with the yeah. extension. So, I mean, I'll probably opt out and maybe even if he stays, just have some more cash. But either way, he's still there. You've still got him with you. And from his point of view, he said he wants to be the main man. It's a yeah. historical franchise. So he's, yeah. he's got everything you could need, really. If Tatum turns out to be as good as he could, that's a, a good player to have. Maybe he's him. waiting for the Knicks to grow. Maybe he is, yeah. You did think he was going to be a Nick, didn't you? It's horrible for Knicks fans because. I mean, I saw this mentioned in, in, in other places, but if Knicks were to sign everyone that was photoshopped into their uniform... <laughs> They'd be the Harlem Globetrotters, yeah. they couldn't. <laughs> Kyrie, where he, he was in Japan or wherever it was, and he was coming back to America, and he did that Snapchat saying he's coming home, and we were nuts thinking he's coming back to New York. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think both did as well as they could have. It is a rare trade where I think both do okay, don't they? They both come out thinking think they've they, done well. Yeah, I think they both came away from the table and we got a steal there. Yeah. We've done well there. And it's a funny thing. At this point, you can say they both do well. But at the end of the year, you could end up in a position where you think they've absolutely pulled their pants down there. Or you might end up thinking, what has happened to them? For either side, that could end up happening. Yeah, I'll be very interested to see what happens now. Because they play each other on the first game of the season. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that'll be interesting. With the thing about Golden State is that one of the big problems with the Cavs was that they didn't really have a bench in comparison. And I think they have now got a legitimate, well, a legitimate, <laughs> legitimate case where they can swap players in and out without the team's quality dipping too much. Obviously, they're going to still be heavily reliant on LeBron, but I think as an overall I don't know, squad is the right word. Yeah. But I think they are stronger. JR must have seen Kyrie go and think, yes, I'm the man. I've got all these extra shots now. And then Isaiah Thomas is coming. He's on. Oh, no. Then JR remembered how he played for most of the finals. Oh, no. Actually, I can't. How most of them played, to be fair. Yeah, in fairness. Hopefully, but Kev Love it, can break out. Who would have thought? After the, basically, Kevin Love has constantly got linked with me when he's the one yeah. who's probably going to stay. He he doesn't quite get the credit. He's kind of like, maybe a rash. rash uh, comparison but he's kind of like the clay of the golden state where he does his job and he doesn't really get the credit for doing his mm. job yeah i think unlike clay he does come up short every now and again yeah like in the last game at the he's finals more, he's, he he's more dependent short. they're more dependent on him than warriors are on yeah clay yeah but if he was in that team i guess we'll have to see what more Cavs give up um celtics give up and we'll be able to do a bit more on it then do but... you think do you think they will just say this is the deal, leave it as it is? I don't know. What can they... Cavs fans are more than happy if Kyrie comes back. Yeah. If he's prepared to play. Celtics fans, you tell them they've got Kyrie and now they don't have Kyrie. Yeah, that, that ain't a good look, is no. it? No. 
So and as I was probably thinking, I've just get everything yeah. for you, and you've yeah, exactly. happily traded me, and you're burning the jersey. People are burning the jersey when he played the day after his sister died. So bad. Oh no. So bad. Yeah, he can't give everything for the franchise. He didn't want to leave either. No, but they just traded him. So yeah, yeah good to see LeBron coming out and supporting that. Yeah, nice tweet. But um, well, I guess that's us uh, done for today. We yeah covered it all. We've gone up and down. We've had <laughs> some highs and lows here. <laughs> A lot of lows, particularly lows. Yeah, at Arsenal, John Jones being popped and uh, <laughs> you want to Davis shit show. <laughs> but um, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Spitballing Pod. As I said at the start of the episode, if you could follow us on Twitter at Spitballing Pod, if you could check out SpitballingPod.com. You could leave us a review on iTunes, a comment, like, repost on SoundCloud and all that business. Uh, thanks for listening, as always. And we'll have a couple of interviews hitting the site. We've had uh, interviews with Chris Eubank Jr., Luke Campbell and Sam Alvey go up this week. And we'll have even more for you coming this week. Thank you. <laughs>